Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week is my fantastic, as always, co-host Joe Perez. Joe, how are you doing? Apparently I'm fantastic, and I'm okay with that this week. I'm feeling it. How are you doing? I I have a hard time saying something else. It's like I was going to say wonderful, but then I remember you say wonderful a lot, and I didn't want to bite your thing. And I was like, (laughs) oh God, just say something. We don't have time. (laughs) See, I, 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 I did radio stuff in college, and... The thing, the first thing they teach you in radio is don't worry about what you're saying so much as you worry about getting it said. Mm-hmm. The two things they're most afraid of in, in, on like regular radio is dead air and breaking FCC codes. So don't swear and get words out your mouth, basically. Um, so I've always remembered that even though I don't, I haven't done radio in ever. Never actually worked radio aside from the the school. You know, radio station. You know, technically a podcast counts as radio according to Twitch, so we're good. Well, in that case, Twitch, I apologize that you've been dragged along on this my bizarre radio career. Uh, <laughs> but let's you know, let's just get straight into some news because uh, a few things have happened this week. Um, one of them is very strange, so we're going to talk about it first. Blizzard yesterday just kind of announced out of nowhere. Uh, by the way, we're going to completely change the corruption system. Oh, and we're going to make it much easier for you to level up your legendary cloak if you haven't already gotten all the, the pages. If you haven't gotten up to level 15 yet, we're making that super mu- much easier. And uh, while we're at it, we're also going to change the way Echoes of Nihilatha work, give you a way to spend those Echoes of Nihilatha on more things so that your main can actually use them. And and it was just all like, what? And they, they didn't announce when they were going to do it, and then they hot-fixed it in today, but they didn't first they didn't have the the vendor who would sell you the new kind of corruption items but now that vendor's up too so it's all in the game now like in one day and i i don't know what the heck just happened it was like what um okay i mean i don't i'm not upset it doesn't sound like they did anything bad to me uh, have you got a chance to look at any of it 
I looked at it, but like, uh, so I had a conversation with my guild last night uh, about corruption in general, and it it's because I'm a healer. I don't care about corruption. I, I literally don't. There's two effects that I care about, and I have them. So I look at this, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'm glad people that want stuff like, you know, save up for Twilight Devastation or or whatever they want, they can get it now. But I, it, it, it didn't excite me. It was weird more than anything. Like you said, it was one of those things unexpected. Very confusing why they would choose now to do it of all times. Oh, that doesn't confuse me at all. Um, straight up, we are not getting the next expansion for you know six months. Sure, but I guess that, is this enough? That's of a why cookie? they get it. But is this enough of a cookie to keep players engaged? No, no, I guess? no, it's not. It's not aimed at that. No, no, no. This is not aimed at getting people more engaged. This is simply aimed at being useful to people who have become engaged, so that they don't stop being engaged. Yeah. Because here's the thing. The thing that's really annoying when you hit 120 on your new character, which I've done because I decided to switch mains, is getting caught up. You know, if, if everybody else has been in Nihilatha since January, I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I think January is around that time, maybe February, but they've been in Nihilatha for a few months now. And you're trying to go raid with them, but you just hit 120? You are going to be a smear on the ground. For every encounter, especially if they're doing heroic or up, you know, they're just—you're just gonna die. You know, they're bringing you to get to roll on loot after you're dead. Um, but if you can now get your cloak up faster, if you can get you know the corruption that you need to actually do DPS, especially when corruption's so important to DPS and getting the right corruption, which was completely random up to this point. Which I mean, gearing is random. But this was a level of random that was like this was like random on top of your random to the point where people were kind of losing it. Apparently, there was also like a scheme though for the the um, corruption. I don't remember very much of it. Uh, I think our our tank stoppable force was talking about it at some point, but like I I don't remember what it was. But there was like some weird mechanism you could actually try to figure out what you would get. I don't know. It was way too way too down the rabbit hole for me at this point. Yeah, as far as I know, there is no such thing. Uh, I've heard nothing of, to to support that. But at any rate, they've by doing this, they've it's it's not to keep you engaged. I mean, it's not to make you engaged. It's to keep you engaged. It's to make that part of it a little easier. Do I necessarily think it's going to work? Well, I mean, here's one thing that they did th the same time that I find hilarious. They put gushing wound on a vendor and then nerfed gushing gushing wound by thirty five percent. Yeah. Because everybody wanted it because it was so great. And now it's like they nerfed it immediately. And that's just hilarious to me. It, it always, the corruption mechanic is, uh, feels like an idea that was really good. It was a really good uh, Yeah, really I love it in concept. Idea, love it in concept. It feels like it didn't have enough time to really get ironed out and useful for all three specs. I mean, it's really good for DPS. It's sort of good for tanking because whilst tanking doesn't primarily go with DPS, Anything you do that increases your damage will increase your threat. So as a tank, that's useful. You know, you're not going to say no to, you know, the, the one that really comes to mind is the one that's on that axe that drops off of a mount. It's a really decent tanking axe if you're a two-handed tanking axe user, which is one class. You know, the blood decay, okay, I'll use the, the axe that increases my armor and then explodes around me. 
Uh, for everybody else, it's like, okay, I guess I'll use it. And the other thing, which was, there's an interesting thing about this that's a bug. It's not a bug, it's just a, it's a consequence of how they designed it that they don't know how to fix yet. If you cleanse an item, you can't later on then put a different corruption on that item. Yeah, i the not... You're saying? I'm sorry. I understand it, but that also feels... I understand it's to try to keep people from spending all that time in maxing no, no, and doing all that stuff. No, it's not. But... Straight up, it's not. They didn't do this on purpose. They oh. can't fix it. They don't know how. They, uh. they, the way the system is set up, once you cleanse an item, you cannot put corruption on it. That's not what they intended, and they've they've decided to p- implement the system anyway rather than make us wait for it. Interesting. It's it is definitely not deliberate. They huh. want you to be able to cleanse an item and then put a different corruption on it if you want to. That's the goal. So it's it's not a case where they're trying to control what you do. It's a case of simply they can't do it. Interesting. Um, and I think it's because when you cleanse an item, you it, the item comes with with corruption on it. A box is ticked when you uncorrupt it, and I don't think they have a system to untick the box. That they don't have a way really to, to, yeah. I the fact that they're putting the they're treating the corruption when you buy a, a a preserved contaminant, it goes on the item like an enchant. And I feel like there must be some quirk of the enchant system that we're seeing here. But I mean, they haven't really gone into detail as to why this is. I could be completely wrong as to why it's happening. Um, but but that's like one of the weird things when you try and do a system like this. That's what makes me think that this system wasn't originally intended, and that they they realized at some point, oh, the randomness of the system it, it becomes exponential when it's added to an already random loot system. Because first you have to get the item, and then you have to be lucky enough that the item has corruption on it. And there's only a few items where it's guaranteed to have it. Like, the weapons that drop in Iolotha are guaranteed to have corruption. Um, at least so far, I haven't seen one not have it. Like, the two-handed axe off of Mount, I've never seen it drop and not have the specific corruption effect on it. But, like, items, like armor and so forth, it's random. And that's... I think that that's the issue. But, uh, again, this is just me speculating because they, they, they put out this post yesterday... They didn't go into any real details as to why they were doing it, aside from it being a catch-up. Uh, See, but and the, the other thing—I guess that's the part that I'm having a hard time reconciling, though—is a catch-up because how do you get echoes by running end-tier content and doing uh, visions, which visions are a pain to do until you catch up. So it, it's to me, it's weird. It's weird to reconcile that. I don't really see what you're calling end-game content. All of my alts are doing everything that gives echoes. What and I'm echo, not rating. What echoes right now? Uh, you can do the invasions. You do like the three a week. Each one of those will give you like 625 echoes right now because they bumped up the amount of echoes they give, but they always gave echoes. Uh, you get echoes from Horrific Visions. I mean, those are all soloable. That's what I do. I mean, I, I don't raid right now because I switched mains. Yeah, but... so. Yeah, but like my, my, her, the the horrific visions are the part that I have a hard time reconciling because that largely, to me anyway, largely depends on your your uh, your class, right? Because I I, mean, I, I still can't fight a paladin and a warrior. I can solo a zero, uh, what you call it, a zero horrific vision, like go straight for the boss. Masks. 
zero masks. I can do no bonus areas and go straight for the end boss on my shaman, and that's all I can do. And I'm not a slouch. And I don't know if I'm, I mean, maybe I'm just bad at the game. Okay, I can take that to a certain degree, but like, I know I'm not the only person that has that, that thought or has that problem. So, no, I, most of the people I've heard complain about that are healers, though. But I'm not doing it as a healer either. I'm doing it in my DPS spec. So, like, that's oh, the oh. that's the weird thing. Like, I can't do more than I, I think I've successfully done one bonus area. And again, I'm not undergeared. I'm not, I have the full trees filled out, the whole nine. Still can't can't get past one bonus area if I'm lucky. So yeah, one of my friends just finished doing a five mass clear of Stormwind after he'd done a five mass clear of Orgrimmar. So I know there are people out there who do solo it. Oh yeah. I mean, we have a hunter in my guild. We have a hunter in my guild that, that talks about all the strategies for doing it. So, and he, no, he does I, five masks regularly and he has zero problem with it. I don't, I'm not even close to doing five masks. I mostly do one or two on my characters because like I said, I just switched and I'm, I haven't really, I haven't been focusing too much on doing the horrific visions on the alt who's now my main. And I keep forgetting that. Uh, I've mostly been just trying to get up to like, I just got my, my, uh, the, the shoulders. I had blue shoulders. They were like 420 shoulders. I just got 450 shoulders today doing a, doing an assault. So now he's up to the point where he's got everything except one trinket is 440 or higher. Um, so I may push uh, the visions more now, but I mean he, he's a fury warrior, so yeah, I take any damage, I die. Yeah, and as it's, and as Padilla in uh, chat points out, they do five masks as uh, enhancement, uh, and they're an elemental main, and like so, I'm wondering if that has something to do with the two, if it's just like spec dependent. Well, I mean, I know that there are some specs who really don't like... Like, I know Stormwind is really hard for some people because once you start doing multiple objectives in Stormwind, uh, Alaria gets tons of stuff, and she can be really, like, as a knockback. She can knock you back into things that she can then blow you up. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty nasty, but I, I... Like I said, I've not... I switched from my main to this new main and had to start gearing him up, so I, it's been... But, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a case of... Echoes being hard to get as much as it's just you know you can get more echoes if you do more stuff, and that's I know that I think echoes drop in the raid. I don't know if they I'm do. right. Yeah, so th- if you're doing raiding, you obviously will get more echoes. Um, and the echo costs for some of the the, the contaminants are very high. Yes, yes um, it's like Twilight Devastation Three is fifteen thousand. When you're getting at most like a thousand to like if you're getting like a thousand or so a week, uh, with the new rules that won't be too hard. You get maybe a thousand, almost two thousand. That's gonna take you a while. So there is that to consider. But I do think it's an intention of the catch up mechanic, even if it's weirdly executed. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it it's one of those things where Again, I can admit that maybe I'm doing something wrong, but it's an interesting catch-up mechanic for those that want to spend the time doing it. Um, I know that I won't be participating in it, even on my alts. I'll get to... Honestly, I'm getting to 120, and then I'm, at this point, just parking them till next expansion. So. See, I'm actually more interested in playing for the next six months uh, uh, than I... I mean, and I... I'm very excited for Shadowlands. I think Shadowlands is going to be very good. I think so, too. I'm not... I'm not really looking forward to it 
not because I'm not looking forward to it, because I'm deliberately not looking forward to it. I am focusing on the game right now. And I'm doing that because playing of Lightforged has made it a lot less emotionally fraught for me. I am one of those people who internalizes their character. If you're not like that, if you're going to say stuff like it's just a game or whatever, if it was just a game to me, I would have stopped playing it years ago. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of games out there. If I wanted to play just a game, I got tons of options. I play World of Warcraft because it is more than just a game to me. If it wasn't, I would probably be done. So, saying that, when I when they made the story decisions they did, and this is not a criticism of those story decisions, this is not a complaint, it's just saying it had an emotional effect on me that made the game harder for me to play. And now, having switched my character so that I don't feel this character is viscerally involved in those events, but this character would obviously be horrified by them, but he wouldn't take them personally because this character is a light forged and has seen a, like at least a thousand years of war against the burning legion. He's seen whole worlds burned. His ability to, to care about the, you know, the scale of like, you know, the death of a city was like, well, yeah, that's terrible. Did I tell you about that time? I saw an entire ocean burn off. Yeah, everybody died. I think it's close to 5 billion inhabitants on that planet. Anyway, we kept fighting. Like, it, it's just a different scape. It's a different scope. And it's allowed me to enjoy the character. Like, enjoy playing the character because nothing really gets to him. And since nothing gets to him, nothing gets to me. I, I'm very unflappable on this character. And I enjoy it. Um, and it's made the game fun for me again. And Shadowlands, I'm probably going to pick up my original, my the main I went into Legion with. Because there'll be more story for her there. But right now, there's no more story. And so I'm basically just playing this character to get a new perspective on it. I'm also leveling my uh, my, my uh, Torin. Because I like him. My High Mountain Torin. Uh, he, he's goofy. I, I like him quite a bit. So, yeah. That, that's kind of stuff I'm focused on right now. Man, I'm talking a lot today. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a podcast. You did come here for that. It is. It is but what we're we here should- for should move on. Uh, this next one is probably one Joe will not have much of a response to, but, you know, hey, it's not like I've let him talk much this week, this episode, so sure, whatever. Um, Diablo 3 Season 21 is hitting the PTR, I believe, Thursday. Of the, As we're recording this, if you're listening to us live, Thursday. If you're listening to us recorded, today, or possibly yesterday. Um, it's hitting the PTR. We now know that the season theme is Trials of the Tempests, and it's it's interesting because it harkens back to the season of the Triune in that it's not like a meta thing. It's not like, oh, you can pick any any bonus you want from Kanai's Cube. Uh, it's not you, you get the set bonus without having the set. It's literally just every so often you do elemental damage. And it's random what elemental damage just happens to come out of you. Like you explode with lightning or you, you know, explode with fire or waves come out of you or what have you. It's interesting. I don't know if the the things that happen are buffed by your gear. So I don't know if lightning explodes out of you, if that you have gear that buffs that, if it's buffed by your gear or your talent choices. I don't know the answer to that question. It doesn't say on anything I've read yet. I guess we'll find out when we test it. But it's interesting because it is... we, we The PTR is going to be two weeks. And it's a targeted PTR. They're, they The Diablo PTRs do not skip around a lot. They just go. They like test. Let's see if this crashes anything. Okay. All right. We have any major problems? 
um, I think it was season 17, I think, but it might have been season 18. But they actually did have to delay the season because they found major problems. They, they couldn't get it to work and they had to take more time to fix it. But usually if this works, they'll probably start the new season within a week or two of it. Like once the PTR is done, if everything goes according to plan, they'll probably be like, okay, good, we're ready to go. And they'll put it live in a week or two after. So that would that would mean we're going to get the next season in mid-June. I'm um, going to say like June 19th. I believe that's what I said when I wrote this up. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, I'm going to ask Joe what he thinks, but I know Joe doesn't play Diablo, so. I mean, I play Diablo. I just don't really participate in the season stuff so much. Like, it's not a central point for me. I kind of jump in, jump out of it. So, um, I, yeah. I think people will have fun, and that's all that really matters. I will also point out they are buffing um, Necromancers and Demon Hunters. They're They're buffing several of their sets and, and some of their legendaries. Um, some of the buffs are really good, by the way. You should go check it out. Uh, I, one, I remember one buff, the damage bonus was going from like 305% to 2100% or something like that. There, there's there's new sets and new and legendary items have been buffed. It, it's worth going to look at it. So if, if you play those classes, you should go check it out. But I don't play those classes, so I can't tell you, aside from uh, being aware that the buffs have happened, I can't really give you context on how good they are. Uh, they might be good, or they might be extremely good. That I can't, you know. A buff is always good. Like, I'm never going to say no to a buff. I've never been one of those people, like, you know, we're buffing Fury Warrior DPS by 1%. I'm like, I'm like thank you. I'd like more, but I'll take 1%. I'll always take a buff. Um, that, that's just my motto. I've played played Blizzard games for a long time. I, I'm totally down for a buff of any kind. But yeah, that's that's basically that. Um, we also have the Overwatch anniversary event, which started today, I think. Yeah, yes. we I think we yeah, streamed uh, it. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Nico and company were streaming it earlier today. Yeah, uh, Tyler and Nico. Yeah, they were they were streaming it. So cool. You know, you can. I hopefully you got to see that, since we're talking now. Obviously, that they're not currently streaming it, but I I know that there's a cool skin with Bob and uh, Ash, where Bob looks like the the big bad wolf and ash looks like little red riding hood i i don't know of the other skins i know there are other cool skins i think there's a isn't wrecking ball got his new skin uh yes i forgot what it is though it's the it's the submarine wrecking ball is a submarine he's a captain like he looks like captain crunch someone said that's what it is i remember seeing it now i do like so, yeah. the uh i like the hockey uh hockey skin for roadhog that makes me happy the masquerade skin uh, for reaper is pretty cool I honestly surprised you're not more down for like any skin involves a hamster who like gets a nautical theme. I'm super you'd be down for that. super in for that because when I do play, and I've been playing a lot more recently, uh, Hammond is my go-to because he squeaks and I think it's hilarious. I I love that little little man. <laughs> well, and the last thing we're going to talk about is one that we were going to talk about on Lore Watch, but then we forgot to. And so I feel like it needs to get mentioned, and I feel like this is a good place for me to actually shut up for a bit so Joe can talk, because it's a, <laughs> I think Joe will have things to say about. We, we found out last week um, when he was doing one of his, his live interviews, Ian, Ian Hazakasas has been running around doing interviews talking about Shadowlands, as he does, you know, he is the game director, and he mentioned something that was I thought was pretty interesting, so I wrote, a book, wrote it up. He mentioned that time will pass differently in the Shadowlands. It isn't as simple as going faster or slower. It's more chaotic, and 
when he was asked point blank, what does that mean for our characters? He said, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking about this and we've had some questions in the past about it. And I found it really funny that I think the week prior on Lore Watch, we literally had this question and our answer was, we don't know yet. And then uh, Ion did this. And of course, Ion, I'm shaking my fist at you because, yeah, you, of course, you would wait till after we recorded that to, to, to answer that. But it is interesting because it's something we've been kind of wondering and it's something we've also speculated a little bit about as well is that time is different or would be different in the Shadowlands from some offhanded comments we've heard in the past during like the Death Knight stuff. Uh, but also because it would make sense that these spirits that we're going to go see, these, these uh, beings don't necessarily know how much time has passed or know what's happened back on Azeroth because for them it could have been a week, it could have been 10 years, could have been 30 years, could have been 100 years, we don't know yet. And the idea that each of the areas might have time passing differently for them is very curious to me and would make a whole lot of sense. Ardenweld is wild. It could be time is sped up with all this wild growth or something like that. Bastion seems pretty stable. It seems like it might be very orderly and be very one-to-one, -one, but then you have, like, Revendreth that might be time moves slower there. I don't know. It, it's, it's very curious. And then we talked about this a little bit before, too, where what would happen if we were there for... Because typically when we go through an expansion, it's a, a year or two in-game, just like it is in real life. Um, typically, not always. Some of them jump a little bit. Um, but I'm wondering how that would translate like a year in the Shadowlands, or two years in the Shadowlands, what that means for WoW, in particular because on Azeroth, Azara is still running around and there's a whole bunch of stuff we haven't dealt with, and then there's still that fallout of uh, everything that's happening post this the the War of the Thorns and everything else. Like that's potentially important and huge for how the story is going to move forward and what might happen. So, who knows? Uh, it's it's super intriguing though. I'm I'm really interested to see how it actually pans out. Yeah, I, I I have a lot to say about this, and I do want us to actually have more of a show than just me talking about it for an hour. So I will just say that I think it's interesting that he mentioned this, because it reminds me of the audiobook they did for Legion, The Thousand mm -hmm. Year War. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they talked about, they talked about how time passes differently the further in the away, the further in the nether you get closer to the pure fell, the faster time moves. And so... They were in there for a thousand years from their perspective, but it wasn't necessarily a thousand years from ours. And I wonder if that's true of every, like when you leave the, the for lack of a better word, the material plane and head out into any of these planes that are like pure concepts. Like if you headed towards the death realm further away from Azeroth, would time slow down? Like, is it based on it, like how close or how far away they are to like the pure death itself? I don't know. This is just all stuff I'm speculating about, but I do think it's fascinating that they did this. And Joe was speaking, so I want to shut up so we can talk. I was just going to say, like, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because it would make a lot of sense if that was the case. Because if the material plane, quote unquote, if, of our universe is the central point in which all of these forces converge, then they all sort of balance out to each other. And the further you go to one extreme or the other, the more out of balance you go. So I I would be down with that. I think that's actually 
intriguing. Yeah, so that's basically, I mean, that's really all I'm going to say about it right now because I don't really have... We, we There's so much to talk about that it feels like it would dominate the show. But I am definitely interested in talking more about it on, on War Watch, that show he and I do when we're not doing this show. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping we talk more about it at some I, point. I can tell you we definitely have a question in the can for that this coming week. So we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll be back to this again, trust me. All right. But now we've, done, we've covered the top stories. Um, so it's, it's email time. Uh, if you guys have an email for the show, we have multiple ways to get it to us. Uh, this week you guys pretty much picked our Discord server. Um, there's two channels in Discord where we look for questions. First is our, our patron Q and podcast questions channel. We look there first because, you know, the whole thing about being a patron is we, we, we take your questions first. That's a thing. That's, that's why we encourage you to become a patron. Even $1, boom, you're in. You can, you can use that channel. Um, if you can't use that channel, the, the patron Q and podcast questions, we do have a, a Q questions channel further down on our Discord that's just for anybody. Yeah, we should and probably we do, rename that at some point. <laughs> we, we do look at it. Sometimes I take questions, like this week I took a couple questions from that that were Q questions. They were Q questions that were specifically aimed at me, and I missed them. Like they were from a little while ago. So I grabbed them to use on the show because I felt like I should at least try. Then I remembered I have a Q that I'm writing tonight for tomorrow, so I could have used them there. But it's too late now. <laughs> so, yeah, either way, we, we do look there too. Um, and also, if you you want to use email, like like you know us old time folks do, you know us oldies, we like the their, their email. You can send it to. Wow, did I actually avoid saying y'all? Well, now you did. So the cycle's yes, complete. I, up till that point, I had avoided it. Um, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch dot com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch, so we know it's for this show and not lore watch because. Um, Matt will steal everything. Matt will yeah. absolutely steal everything. So make sure you specify, please. Give me if something. If you don't specify, I put it in the show. So that's <laughs> just the way I am. I'm a terrible human being. Um, but Joe's going to read this for us. So if you don't mind, Joe. Not at all. Uh, our first question comes from Molly Razor. Hello, Molly. Uh, after the Dark Inquisitor fight, Queen Azara says, The true throne of power beckons, and I intend to claim it. What do you think she is referring to? So this is something I've been asked a lot, and I want to hear... I have a couple ideas, but I want to hear, Matt, what do you think they're referring to when they say the true throne of power? I mean, there's there's my more out there answer, and then there's my more reasonable answer. My more reasonable answer is dunno, but that's not fun. It's not fun to say I have no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, my more out there answer is... Ashara thinks extremely highly of herself. Yes, she does. And and to a degree, so far she has proved relatively accurate in her assessment of herself. Yeah, minus that whole being tortured thing in a raid, but Yeah, that, but that wasn't that her out okay. that, that wasn't her fault. That was everything had gone more or less as she had planned, and then we screwed it up by continuing to hit her. Um that that was very much an us thing, not a her thing. At least that's how I believe she would see it. Ashara once actually thought that she and Sargeras would be um, um, uh, like a couple. Mm -hmm. Sargeras. Finding out Sargeras is romantically obsessed with Azeroth, the planet, the titan inside the planet, 
well, okay, how do you address that problem? And I'm not saying she wants Sargeras back or anything. I think she's past the point of wanting to be in a relationship with Sargeras. Uh, she wanted to be with Sargeras because she thought only somebody who was effectively a god would be worthy of her. At this point, she probably thinks, well, you know, he's a thug. He's, he's not really worth my time. But nobody puts me in a corner. And Azeroth is pretty vulnerable right now. And what would the true throne of power be on Azeroth, if not to be Azeroth? Mm. Like, imagine if you could control... You could, like... We've seen Titan power be taken into and, and ingested and used by mortals. Li Shen took the power of a Titanic Watcher and used it as his own. Power that was imbued with the essence of Amanthul himself. So could she take the power of Azeroth into herself? Could she effectively become a Titan? I don't know, but it's certainly something she would be willing to try. You know, Ashara is nothing if conf not confident. She she'd be willing Ambitious. to say, you know, if I can if, if it can be done, I can do it. So and she's proved herself capable of some pretty surprising stuff in the past. So I that's so, where I'm gonna go for now. That's just my theory. It's th they could be something else entirely. I don't actually know. That's just where I'm going with this. So here, what I've been thinking about is along the same lines as you, but I think it's a step beyond. So a lot of the conversations I've had have been, okay, there's been several thrones. There's, you know, in the game, Throne of the Elements. You have the Frozen Throne, which is, you know, obviously somewhat central to the opening of Shadowlands and what's happening there. Uh, you have all of these different things that have been central seats of power, but I don't think it's a physical object or place that she's looking at and I think it has more to do with the fact of sitting at the head of a pantheon and I don't necessarily know that it's titanic in nature because she's had at her fingertips all of the power of a titan we brought it to her we, we literally were right there with it and she had it f coursing through it in that entire fight that was a whole central piece of it but what if her sights were higher than being a titan? What if she wanted to be elevated to godhood? Elune is waning right now. She already knows that Tyrande existed and got power, an immense amount of power from Elune, and now Elune's sort of disappearing. Elune didn't answer her faithful's call in any way other than putting them to sleep when the tree was burning. She's been mostly absent uh, throughout the entirety of what's happened in Battle for Azeroth after that point, minus the Night Warrior thing where she gifted the power uh, to Tehran, which could have been a ritual, could have been something else. And what if her goal isn't to be a queen anymore? What if her goal is to obtain the seat of power as the only living god on Azeroth, taking all of that power and elevating herself to an ultimate place of worship, sitting at the throne of a pantheon she, she deigns to have in place? I'll be upfront with you. It's interesting, but I think that Elune is a step below Azeroth. Maybe. That's why I would go with Azeroth over Elune. Elune is associated with the moon, Whatever Elune is, she's never been a particularly active god. She never... That's the thing. Nothing she's doing now is new. That's why I don't see why people are saying she's waning. 
There's nothing that Elune has done now that's any different than Elune has been in the past. Elune did I'm, nothing when the world got blown up by demons the first time. I'm just going by the perception of what's being given out in game as far as like interactions with NPCs and stuff like that. Why did Elune yeah, abandon I, us? Why did Elune forsake us? Why you know that type of thing, right? People say that kind of thing all the time when bad stuff no, no, happens. No. I, I, I understand, don't. but I think you're misunderstanding. I'm not saying that she's going to like take Elune's power. I think she wants to replace Elune in worship. Oh yeah, I, I I have no problem with that because she did that before already. And I think she wants to complete the usurping of it. And I think along mm-hmm. that way, she'll find a way to keep Azeroth out of the equation because she she's clever enough to do that. I don't know. I mean, the the thing is, is that she's done that already. Like for instance, the city of Zinashari mm-hmm. was named Elundris. Mm-hmm. Eye of a loon. She they renamed it for her. She she's already done the eclipsing a loon thing. I think she wants way more than that. Like if if she was going to do it, I would be more likely to believe she has a plan to literally physically replace a loon. Yeah. Than to just usurp her worship. Well, I mean, but even you, then, you I certainly can be whatever. Is, I, yeah, but I I personally think that a loon is below Azeroth in power. Sure, but because I think that all the titans combined are below Azeroth in power. Possibly, and but that depends on how she gets to that godhood state. Is it by absorbing the titanic power and ascending beyond what a titan can be? If that's her uh, is goal, is there something? To, is there something to ascend to beyond what a titan can be? We don't. We know. know one of the things. Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to find out. I think in Shadowlands because they've even said it is there's a pantheon of death, and it implies that that these these beings are like the titans, like the pantheon. So I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. And that might actually answer our question with Ashara. And it, for that matter, it might tell us what a loon is. Which would go a long way to informing a lot of our theories. Yeah, because we do have to make stuff up here. <laughs> There's a lot of... As, as Joe was talking about it, I'm trying to incorporate it into what I'm thinking in terms of, like, you know, would she just... Is she going to be satisfied at this point just being beloved? I don't think so. No, it's going to be more I than that. It has to be the, power. Yeah, I think it, that's the old Ashara. The new Ashara... She she used to see power as, you know, she was subtle. She manip- she manipulated people. She achieved power through re- renovate, rever- reverence and adoration. And now it feels like that stuff's fine. But she wants she wants to be absolutely untouchable, so that nothing like what happened to her happens again. With Nazoth will ever happen again. Well, yeah, and that's exactly my train of thought. Like she's she's trucked with titans. She's trucked with demons. She's, you know been aligned with old gods. I think she's done with all of that at this point. I think it's, she wants to be above all of them and wants them to come to her looking for power like she at one point did with them. So, I don't know. But I think you're right. I think we're going to find out more about that coming up. And as uh, Udaluk in uh, chat I like your sphere. I I also love Udaluk's sphere. But as Udaluk points out, we don't have we have no idea. We have no inkling of what's actually in Azhar's head. But I think we're going to find out soon. All right. Our next question comes from Sarah or Sierra. Hopefully I pronounced that correct or somewhere in that. Uh, this is the one for Rossi. Have you looked into Last Epoch at all? It is an upcoming Diablo-like on Steam. And since you seem to be in that kind of game, I was wondering if you had any first impressions. My usual reaction is Steam is much like Dracula's to a cross. I hit and go, <laughs> not, I want to be clear. I just, I like to have a life where I go outside occasionally and see my wife. 
And Steam is the no, Steam is bad. Steam is like, here's a five thousand games. I'll never play them all. We don't care. They're a dollar each. You know, it's like, so I, I stay away from Steam. So I didn't actually know about this until you asked me the question. I did. I did go and look at it. Um, since it looks interesting, it's it's really got some some interesting complexity in that it starts with like five base classes. And then it seems to have like I'm looking now one two three four five six seven eight ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen. It's got like fifteen, for lack of a better word, advanced classes. I think each base class has three classes that play off two. of it. Two to three, yeah. yeah. It looks like three for all of them, um, but I, you know, I can't, I couldn't tell you. I just looked at this thing. It, it is interesting. I, I am willing to play it when it comes out. I don't know. Like I, I have not been up on it so far. It certainly does look like a Diablo-like. Like it, it it's not even look like it's trying. Much like the recent um, Chaos Pain. Dark the Dark Siders game. Not oh. Chaos Pain. I haven't played that one yet. The the recent Dark Siders game, which I played and, and quite enjoyed, um, was a Diablo-like, but it had some interesting stuff that was new that that chased it up. This this also looks like it's got some Diabloisms to it, and you know. If if it weren't for the fact that Godfall is coming out this year, this would probably be like my next big ooh not my not my next big not Diablo like you know looter slasher game. I would I would definitely look at this one for that. But my focus right now is Shadowlands, anything any news I get about Diablo Four, and then Godfall, which is coming out for PS Five supposedly this holiday season. And and I, I just don't have a ton of money, so I'm I'm putting my my focus for the next the the game to tide me over till Diablo Four comes out is Godfall right now. That's where I'm focusing because Godfall looks like what if Diablo, but you play an Exalted, and I want that. Yeah, a lot. See, and for me, this is something that uh, I was looking at this because I'm interested in the time-traveling aspect of it. Um, I I like ARPGs a lot, and I like some of the things that I'm seeing here, like the skill augmentation trees, which look yeah. very much like the sphere grids. I like a lot of the stuff that they're doing right now uh, or with like the passive grid systems that they're talking about. Some of their monster designs look very, very cool. The class ideas, uh, some of them are very classic, like old-school D&D ones for me that are... Being brought back, like I like Blade Dancer. I like the evolution. I like the evolution aspect of it too. Yeah, where you start with a base class and then you pick kind of a specialization, Which for is... lack of a better word. It's not new, but I, I like it. What I was like it? Was it, giving... was it Pillars of Eternity that did that? Um, I mean, or Path of Exile. Path hardly... of Exile. I think Path of Exile might have as well. Yeah, I don't think Pillars of Eternity did that. I think no, um... Path of Exile was what but I was I mean... thinking of. For that matter, World of Warcraft does this. It does. I mean, you play as a, you know, you start as a, a warrior, and then at level 10, you pick a specialization, and you've effectively become one of three things. This class is more, this is more definitive. Like, you pick a Void Knight, you're done. That's it. it it's actually very uh, Dragon Age-y. It's got certain elements of Dragon Age, at least the original Dragon Age. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down for it. It's just this, I, I had put all my eggs in the, in the Godfall basket, and I'm not taking them out because, again, it looks like it's it's the exalted RPG, but Diablo. And so I'm like, yeah, yes, I know yes, that's I know that's that. very much you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Giant swords, 
messed up super armor. Yeah, I am here for this. I am here for your crazy, you know, your crazy thing. Um, I have, I did not fall for Borderlands. Like I was, I, I've, I have resisted Borderlands. I, I have, through an act of will, I have stayed away from Gearbox as they have put out a game that has practically taken over the looter shooter market. Like, and and I don't, I'm not. This is not a criticism of it, because I'm scared of it. There are games out there that I don't play on purpose, not because they are bad, but because they are good. And they will eat my brain. And I need my brain. I, I, I need to do things with it. If if I spend... Eh, overrated. You, no, man. I got so addicted to Neverwinter Nights when it came out. Yeah. It had, it had the, the module creator. Yep. And I was done. I was done. Yep, I used to try to recreate my, my campaigns in it. A year of my life went by. I can't do that anymore. I'm, I have to like pay rent and stuff. I, I can't, I can't do that. That's that's we are past the point. So I pick specific games and like I bet you I'll play this for three really intense weeks, and then I'll I'll be sated, or okay this will be my I will play it every night in, insanely and develop a massive crush on the main character that we won't talk about, and never stop telling people how great it is and get irrationally angry at YouTube people who make videos that are saying mean things about it and, oh God, what have I done? That happens from time to time. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But I can't have, like, Last Epic, quite frankly, looks like a game that I would play for six years. <laughs> I just, I already have Diablo in my life, guys. What are you trying to do to me? <laughs> I like my dog. I want to see her. I wanted like little pet her little head, so no, <laughs> I'm not gonna play this right away. I mean, I'll probably play it pretty pretty quickly when it comes out. Uh, I just uh, man. Also, I'm broke, so I can't afford to back another Kickstarter, and that's that's a problem. Quite frankly, I I backed a couple last year, and that was pretty much it for Kickstarters for me for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I can't I can't do Kickstarters otherwise. I will have no money ever in my life, so I, I can't I can't tap that that well. Yeah. This does look cool, and I'm glad you brought it to my attention. Um, I'm looking at it, some of it now. Some of the gameplay stuff is is extremely Diablo reminiscent, uh, mm-hmm. but in a good way. It, it's but you know, quite frankly, any game. I've like I've been managing barely to avoid Chaos Bane. Was it Chaos Bane or Chaos Bane? Uh, Chaos Bane, and I did not avoid that one. Yeah, I've been barely managing to avoid that because it's a four. It's a forty k game, right? Or is it just uh, Warhammer? Warhammer Fantasy. Yes. Warhammer Fantasy, they, they put out a book a few years back called Dark Heresy. Yeah, that and, was 40k. Yeah, and that was one of my favorites of its, like, the role-playing genre. It, it did a really good job of being, like, that kind of game. So I'm, I'm down for, for Chaos Bane, but I, I just managed to avoid it because it's like, you know, I, I need to sleep and eat food and live. So, yeah. Only so many games in a year for me, and I and I can say firsthand, Chaos Bane was one of those games I started playing, and then next thing I knew, five hours had passed. So, yeah, uh, it's it definitely sucks you in. <laughs> um, our next question comes from Vulcan: uh, Is Aegwin alive? Where is she? Does she dies in the comics? But those are not canon. And if the wiki is correct, her last appearance is in the Cycle of Hatred, where she doesn't die. And another question. Is there a new guardian of Tristfall, or the position ended with Medivh? Your second one I can answer real easy. There is no new guardian of Tristfall. The position ended with Medivh. Mm-hmm. They've made that very clear uh, in, in their retconning. Since since the comic books don't count, they, there has never been one after Medivh. Medivh died. The position ended. Uh, Medivh came back from the dead, but he didn't. 
reclaim the position. He did whatever he is now. And and when oh. they did... Mm-hmm. Sorry? Hey, we might figure out how he came back from the dead finally. Yeah, that's a good point. Now but the Shadowlands he, is coming out. <laughs> when we saw him in Legion, he basically told um, Cadgar, you know, being a, being a sexy daddy like you are, you don't need a guardian anymore. You can just protect Azeroth. You can just, everybody can protect it. It's time for you guys to band together and protect yourselves. And here's my bird staff. Go for it. I like the sexy daddy thing. Keep doing that. Uh, he didn't actually say that other part, but come on, y'all act like he did. Um, There's a reason but, we but, call him Dadgar. But as for the first part, I don't know. I mean, we see her in Legion, but it's an image of her. It's not her. It, it's an image. They act like she's dead. But the thing is, we know we know she stayed alive long enough to bring her son back somehow. And we don't know how. Yeah. And that's that's what... And then she did Cycle of Hatred and hung out with Jaina for a bit. And, you know, if if the comic were canon, she died, you know, helping, helping Jaina. Comic's not canon, so we have no idea. It's never come up. She's not mentioned in Chronicle. There's There's nothing... You know, we, we don't know what happened to Aegwyn at that point. So she might still be alive, but I mean, unless I'm wrong, like Joe, you, you, can you think of anything? I can't think of anything like uh, outside of the palling around with the, with Jane in the circle of hatred. Like that was sort of the last thing we heard. And like you said, it was a magical recording that we saw an image, not her. I would, I keep coming back to, she was instrumental in bringing Medivh back. Does that mean that she knows the way out of the Shadowlands herself? And does that mean that death holds no meaning for her in particular? So I don't know. But I think, if anything, like the reason I I like this question from Vulcan is this is something I've been thinking about a lot is are we going to see her or see remnants of her in Shadowlands? And I think the answer is yes. And it also kind of toy around with the idea of whether or not her bringing Medivh back is what broke the mechanism of death. But, you know, that's a whole other thing that we could go off. Um, but we don't know. And I really want to find out. Cause she's... I, don't think it could, I don't think it could be because we know Kael'thas went to it. Like, uh, he didn't go to the Maw. He went to Revendreth. And that was, he died after Medivh came back. But again, he, he might not have... It might have started the process. I don't know. You know. That's that's one of those discussions we've had before um, about whether or not you know a pebble rolling down a hill can start an avalanche, but doesn't mean that the pebble is itself an avalanche. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. But I will put that out there. Our next question, dear podcasters, what is the one positive thing you discovered while leveling an alt? My positive surprise is rediscovering Pandaria colors, graphics, and music. I needed this beautiful zone to remind me why I love Warcraft. I currently have anger with WoW for making me have to do things I don't want. Ex-allied races, Iron Dwarves, Occultarians, needing dungeons. Uh, Pandaria reminded me WoW has a lot of positive, and I need to find it. Regards, a horde altaholic who needs some alliance allied races. Uh, we know we talked about this a bunch. Like, what, what's one thing that you noted as a positive after just like leveling alts recently? Well, I mean, I mean, I just talked about it in the pre-show. 
Um, I've one of the cool things about playing a, a new character, a new race, is that I get to think about that race and how they interact with the world of Azeroth. Playing a Lightforged allowed me to look at Azeroth f- from the perspective of somebody who's like really seen it, like like he's seen some bleep. I'm gonna have to use the word bleep. He has seen some excrement, and he, he as much as he like he he doesn't like look down on them. He he knows that they've been through a lot and they've struggled, and he feels he can empathize because yes, he too has struggled, and his struggles are pretty huge. So he has got a lot of perspective. But I mean, I like. The problem is that I haven't just discovered one positive thing, so this question is kind of hard to answer. Like, um, I I love playing my Tauren, like any Tauren. It doesn't matter which Tauren. Uh, I I love looking at their their cities. I like the listening to their their NPCs talk. There's a lot to enjoy about them. Um, I I actually like starting Goblin Alts. I don't finish them. Like I I never. Once I get out of the whole goblin starting experience and join the horde, that's the end of any goblins. I don't feel like playing them past that point. But if I'm if I'm really kind of down and I need to laugh, I will play a goblin through that starting experience. Sometimes I just delete them after. But that starting experience is both well done and funny. It's not like a it's not like just me j- chuckling the whole time, but there's some really funny moments in it. I really like it, and for that matter, the Worgen starting experience is really good too, but completely different. There's just there's a lot, so I'm going to shut up now and let Joe talk. For <laughs> for me, it's and I talked about this on the pre-show a little bit too. It's rediscovering some of the joys of some of the other classes, and Matt and I are very we're similar in the regard that we have a class that we attach ourselves to, and we have a whole lot of alts in that class. Um, I have a million shaman scattered throughout all the various servers that I play with my friends. And it's an easy class for me. It's familiar for me. It's what feels right for me. So I mentioned on the pre-show that I recently got the achievement for leveling five different classes to uh, level 120 or max level or whatever it is. And uh, I didn't realize that I, and I swore I had it before and I went and looked back at all my old characters. I'm like, huh? Nope. Never did this because everything I maxed out before was shaman. But now I'm starting to go through all my old, my classes. Like I rediscovered how fun my hunter is. I rediscovered how fun the paladin is. Um, my death knight doing death knight things and some of the story and questing that goes around them. It, it's sort of this. I don't want to say a palate cleanser, but you you do the same thing so often it feels like second nature that sometimes you tunnel vision and you forget about all of the other cool things that are out there for some of these other classes. So for me, it's just been rediscovering how cool some of the class design really is for a lot of these classes that I rarely touch. And it's also giving me the urge to try to push leveling a mage again, which, if you've listened in the past, is something that I struggle with. I have a very hard time around level 30, 40. I just bail. Uh, I might try to push again and see if I can rediscover my joy of cla- like picking apart class design and, and, and sort of enjoying the particular flavor of a class and see if I can approach that the mage class with that in mind. So that's a positive. Uh, anything else to add for that one, Matt? No, I think we covered it pretty well. All right. 
Our last question comes from our friend Shadana, which, well, it looks like there's three of them here, so I'll quickly read them off, and then we'll go through them one by one. Uh, number one, will Shadowlands be mostly or completely devoid of old gods and titans? I am kind of ready for something altogether new. Two, I've been thinking about the Holy Trinity of WoW, Tank, Heal, DPS, and I've been wondering why Blizzard does not look at more content like Visions of Nazoth. I am able to run it solo or with a couple friends to get decent gear. I would not choose it over larger group content, but I do not have the time to devote to regular large group content. Three, do we know the rules for mage portals in the WoW universe outside of game mechanics? Could a powerful mage like Dadgar, yes, uh, or Jaina teleport anywhere? Uh, so I guess we'll start with number one. I hope so. I'm kind of tired of old gods and titans at this point. It's been titans and old gods all the way down for as long as I can remember, except for when we focus on the Legion, and, and even then it was titans at the end of it anyway. So I'm ready for something new, just like you are. I think in general, um, I'm certainly, I certainly would be pretty happy if they gave the old gods a break. And as for Titans, I think the Titans are pretty definitively occupied. At least the pantheon of Titans are. There are other Titans. But I, I do think there's a relationship between the, the pantheon of the Titans and the pantheon of death. I think that that's, there's a reason Eon phrased it that way. So I think there's something there, but I don't think it's going to be... I don't think that those guys we just saw leave in Legion are going to come back. And I... I I, I'm perfectly happy to just explore a new place entirely. Um, I would like it if, when we come back, we do more of that. Mm-hmm. I'd like, I'd like you said, I'd like an expansion of exploring. Yeah, or even if just, like, you know, like, there's other planes of existence. What if, like, these weird beings from, like, the, the plane of light showed up and decided they were going to, like, kick some butt? You know? Like, not the Naru, just some new beings we'd never heard of just show up, and they're like, yeah, we're here now. Uh, I'd be down for it. Well, let's see that for a bit. Um, or the Naru. The Naru go nuts and they decide they're going to conquer the universe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, we know with the Naru, they're not titans. They're not old gods. Let's go. Um, I, I do. There's lots of interesting stuff they could do, and I would be down for them playing around more with it and exploring it. The second one, uh, we've talked about this in the past, actually. Uh, I believe we've had a f this a few times as a question. I would love to see more scenario play where it is more role agnostic. I like content like that because, and, and we've talked about it before, sometimes it doesn't feel good to be a DPS sitting in a queue for a half an hour. Um, being able to go and do things either solo or with a couple friends and not having to like, oh, well, we can't do this because we don't have a tank, so we're just stuck for the next, you know, until we either find a rando or somebody we know pops on. I like sort of, I, I, how do I say it, like the fluidity of play that role agnostic things allow. And I would love to see more scenarios, more things like Visions of Nazoth, where it doesn't matter what you are. Um, it just lets you play and ha lets you go in with a group of people to do weird things or weird combinations and doesn't require you to have to have a tank or a heal Uh or even something that allows you to be a healer and not have to worry about needing to find DPS. I would love to see more of that. I think Torghast is definitely a sign that they are thinking about how to implement mm -hmm. that. Um, I do think it's interesting that they didn't... They, they, they brought in scenarios. They iterated them pretty well. They were at a good place with the heroic scenarios uh, at the end of Mists of Pandaria. 
and then we they got turned into something you kind of went through as you did a leveling quest, and it was always just you. And they lost a lot of what they had been. And I'm not sure why. Like, to this day, I don't really understand that decision. Like, I don't get why they did it, and I don't get why they haven't used it again since. Like, scenarios have been up. We've had scenarios in every expansion since, but they've always been that, okay, now just me going into some weird thing. Do you know what I'm saying? It just, it is odd to me. Yep. But I do do think Torghast shows that they are thinking about it. Um, Some of the comments they've made about Torghast imply that they're going to try and make it something you can run more and without... One of the problems I have with Horrific Visions is the cost of Horrific Visions. Like, I think if you wanted to control people using them to, to like, gear farm, there were ways to do that. Just, like, make it so they only drop gear, like, a couple of times, and then the rest of the times you do it in a week, they don't drop gear. Yeah, which Um, they've done in the past. They've done that in the past. I think they did it because they wanted to control how fast people got their cloaks, and now they're changing that up pretty extensively so i feel like maybe that was not the best move I, well they were and pretty they're pretty forward about that though too like they were looking at ways of mechanisms to make it to force people not to feel like they had to run them constantly too yeah and and if you made it so you could only run them so many times to get anything like you know if you wanted to get the things to level your cloak if you wanted to get gear they would only reward you that with that a few times and then you could still run them but there's no real reason to. You won't get anything until next week. And I think that could have worked just fine. I mean, we do that with raids right now. I could mm-hmm. run a raid like a hundred times in a week, but I'm only going to get gear once. You know? Or I could do it, like I could run all the different difficulties of the raid, but once I've done every difficulty of that raid, I'm done. There's just nothing else I can... Like, for instance, to use an example that that's on my mind because I did it recently. If I run the Hellfire Citadel raids from Warlords of Draenor. I can run them on LFR, normal, heroic, and mythic. And each time, gear will drop. And then, that's it. I can go back and run them all again. I can absolutely do that. I can reset them. I can can make it so I can run bosses I've already killed. But nothing will drop for me. And I think that that would have been the way to go with Horrific Visions. You can run them three or four times, and then you're done. Then no more gear, no more pages. But making it, you have to do this to get the resource to buy them. I think that's something that they shouldn't do with Torghast. And if they do do it with Torghast, they need to make it more forgiving, like in terms of how to get that resource. But I think they are thinking about it. I think it's pretty clear that they they are looking into it. The third part of the uh, the question from Shadana is the rules for mage portals in WoW. Um, a powerful mage teleport anywhere? Yeah, they can. Uh, that's been a thing since Warcraft 3 with the Antonidas uh, hero class with mass teleport. Uh, that is sort of canonical, and we've seen it a couple times in-game, too. Jaina's done it a couple times. Uh, a significantly powerful mage doesn't necessarily just need to open a portal that is a a thing but they can just teleport they can just teleport to various places and i I haven't played a mage in a long time but don't mages have the ability to do that already in game maybe not as a mass teleport but as an individual teleport without having to open up a a portal or Uh, they they have teleports they can go to specific places not just anywhere right um 
but I mean that's that's partially game game mechanics. Game and also, mechanic. I'm going to qualify what Joe's saying in that a sufficiently powerful mage can teleport just anywhere unless the plot doesn't want them to. Yeah, well, plot then armor is a, a hard thing to overcome. Like for instance, Jaina can teleport anywhere except she can't teleport out of Nazjatar until you help her open a portal network. You know, because because Ashara is there and Ashara doesn't want you just teleporting in or out willy nilly. Um, there's it's one of those situations where there's enough leeway that Blizzard has put in enough leeway so that at any moment, like, you know, Kagar can go like, oh, I can't teleport here because reasons. And you're like, great. The one time it would have been useful. Thanks, buddy. You you are the best. <laughs> so thrilled to have you around. You're not just a giant sucking charisma vacuum who constantly tells dad jokes and makes me unhappy. No, you're really good. I'm not editorializing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was your girlfriend. Do I need to go get more coins for her? Yeah, I'll go. You can just teleport those up either, huh? Nope. No, of course not. I actually do like Cadgar, but I also like dunking on Cadgar because, man, sometimes he invites it. He does. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think in general we, we know the rules. Uh, it's basically how powerful a mage are they and does the story require them to do it? Yeah. Like, Jaina is teleported into and out of lots of places. It seems to be easier for Jaina to teleport out of places. Yeah. Like, a lot of times she doesn't just teleport into the Orgrimmar and, you know, immediately go straight to the place she wants to go. No, we have to run through Orgrimmar for several minutes before we get to the basement, find Bane chained up. But then she can teleport us out once we've beaten up that guy who's, I guess, blocking her. Like, you know, and quite frankly, if that dude can block Jaina Proudmoore, that dude's a heck of a mage. You know, thumbs up, buddy. I'm I mean, sorry probably- I killed you. Part of it, part of it harkens to me like it, it's like an old hangover because, and, and I've talked talked about this in the past where a lot of the concepts that we see in Warcraft are born from a bunch of guys that sat around playing D anD D together and playing Magic the Gathering together and being basic fantasy nerds in a in a small space, uh, and it was always one of those things that with teleporting always seemed like it borrowed pretty heavily from the D anD D side of things where teleporting out of a place to a place where you have an anchor or a rune or uh, something that specifically, you know, indicates that this is like, this is the Stargate falling into place. This is the final Chevron. Uh, It lets you go where you need to go. It always seemed like that was sort of the reason behind it, even though they never really stated it because I've noticed that whenever like Jane in particular teleports out of somewhere, it's always back to somewhere familiar and safe, which for plot reasons makes sense. But from a magic standpoint, who knows? Maybe that's something where she's imprinted a rune or something along those lines. Uh, I was making more... me wonder. You're making me wonder why she has a rune outside Thunder Bluff. Why she used to be, she used to be friends with uh, a bunch of the Horde folks. Yeah, I just specifically was it Thunder Bluff or was it like uh, Camp Tarajo? I don't remember where it was. Camp Tarajo. Yeah. I just thought that was like interesting when you were talking about she always teleports to someplace no, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, basically they can teleport pretty much anywhere. Kagar, I mean, look at Magni, who isn't even a mage. Magni's just teleporting his little diamond, diamond behind. Whatever. Yep, doesn't doesn't bring me along. Occasionally they'll remember to offer me a portal to someplace, but not very often. Usually Magni just goes, "I meet me there." Boom. Like thanks. I mean, the solution is clearly more mole machines. 
Just just more mold machines. That's that's the solution. Then we don't have to worry about mages teleporting. We can just go anywhere we want in a giant mold machine. Done. Oh, uh, those those haven't worked out too well for my dark iron. <laughs> uh all right, but I think that's gonna do us. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have a question, you can use our our Patreon. I mean, you can use our Patreon, actually. Uh, Dan will get them to us. But you can also use our Discord. Uh, we have the two channels. There's the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions, which is, like I said, it's the one we look at first because patrons get a they, that's one of the benefits of being a patron. Consider being a patron today. Uh, the other, there's, there's another channel though. If you just go there, we will, we do do look at it. We will look at questions there. We will bring them onto this show. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. Uh, we, there were no questions there this week. I don't know, actually there was one. Um, there was one, the dear podcasters one, which you didn't sign your name, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, if you had, we would have used it. Uh, unless I'm forgetting. Am I forgetting? It's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah. But anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, we couldn't do the show without you. Literally, it, there would be no point. Um, we're going to be here next week. So, yeah, come be with us. That was a really bad ending. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <sighs> Take it easy, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.